This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God is good. And all the time. And his mercy endures forever. We at Harvest Community Church are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. Amen. If you have your Bibles or uh, electronic devices, or you would like to look up on the screen, if you would find the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. We're going to look at Malachi chapter 1. And uh, once you have it, say amen. Go ahead and stand. If you don't have it, you can look up on the screen. Malachi chapter 1. The burden of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Let the church say amen. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. We pray, Father, that you would illumine the book of Malachi to us. Give us a word. Father, this is our prayer that we might see Jesus, that we might lift him up, and in seeing him, we might believe on him, and in believing on him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. You may be seated. For the next few moments, I want to talk on the subject, Conversations with God, a word for those dealing with disbelief, disappointment, and discouragement. Conversations with God, a word for those dealing with disbelief, disappointment, and discouragement. Conversations, uh, anyone ever have to have a hard, tough, or difficult conversation with somebody? Raise your hand. About everybody in the house has said yes, either a spouse with your with your spouse or a parent with a child, a child with a parent, a teacher with a student, a boss with an employee or an employee with a boss, a friend, a friend or a loved one with a loved one. All of us have had to have those difficult conversations with folks. You feel the pit in your stomach. You feel like you need need a little starch in your knees. And you know you have to talk to so-and-so today because if you don't talk to so-and-so, we're going to have a problem. I remember growing up, my dad would give me a word. Maybe uh, he spent uh, a, a late night and I didn't see him the night before. And I'd get ready for school. And as I'd get ready for school, he would give me those words that would shake the very foundations and core of my life, he would say, now, listen, when I get home, we need to talk. And I knew what that meant, what we need to talk meant that I was in trouble. And so uh, it didn't matter what I did all day at school. I'd have a good time, and then all of a sudden I'd think about having to talk to Daddy when I got home, and the cloud would immediately go over my head. Or some of you husbands are like me. And you're getting ready to leave the house and and your wife immediately says to you, hey, listen, I know you need to go, but I want to remind you, we need to talk. And when you hear those words, we need to talk, you know that somebody has a problem. Or I have had the experience where after church or after Bible study or beforehand or I've seen a church member and I'll say these words 
Hey, uh, I'd like to get some time with you because we need to talk. And immediately that church member will say, what's wrong, pastor? (laughs) And it could be nothing is wrong at all, but those words, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation. And men and women, the book of Malachi is God having a conversation with his people. God's people were in trouble. And it's as if God was saying, we need to talk. Malachi was written in the days of Nehemiah. He directs his message of judgment to a people plagued with corrupt priests, wicked practices, and a false sense of security in their privileged relationship with God. The name Malachi actually means messenger, but we know very little about Malachi, uh, just about nothing. As if God were saying the messenger is not as important as the message. And the message is what I want to get across. Because God promised in the promised kingdom did not come immediately. The Jews questioned God's love. They questioned God's justice. And they complained about the way that he was treating them. The people were backslidden. The priests were worldly, and the people were far from God. It was not long before the priests grew careless in their ministry and the people followed their bad example. But don't miss it. Because the promised kingdom did not come immediately, the Jews questioned God's love. And many women, I'm not... I'm not unaware of the fact that this malady, this situation that the Jews had in the Old Testament might parallel our own. I can just call out words like pandemic, phrases like living through COVID, things like war in Afghanistan or war in Ukraine. I can mention the phrase political climate and how there is this extreme discord and disunity in our nation. I can mention gas prices and inflation. Everything costs more, yet we're making the same money. I can mention mass shootings. I can mention places like Buffalo or places like California or places like Uvalde. And that brings up a certain emotion in all of us. It could be that I mentioned some of your personal circumstances, some of the discord and frustration you have in your home, or some of the discord and frustration you have on your job or or with your family. Circumstances that cause us to be either disappointed or discouraged or depressed. And make no mistake, men and women, there is always a trigger. There's always a sin underneath the sin. And the sin of these people in Malachi's time was that they, they, they doubted God's love for them. They, they, they misrepresented him in their worship. And there was this lack of love. And they would marry strangers who did not believe the same thing that they believed. There was this, this slow drifting away from God. And make no mistake, 
We can experience the same thing and be unaware of it. And God says, well, listen, I know what's going on. You may not be aware of it. Listen, we need to talk. We need to talk. One of my heroes of the faith and one of my mentors from afar off is Dr. Crawford Loritz. Dr. Loritz gives a, a message entitled, When in My Sales? And in his introduction, he defines three words. And I want to briefly define them. I'm not an expert in this. I do enough counseling to know about these three words. But I want us to be operating on the same page. They're the words disappointment, discouragement, and depression. First, disappointment. And disappointment simply means unmet expectations. It means when your expectations about something are not met, it could be either big or small. But we're disappointed. But that disappointment can lead to discouragement. Discouragement is a little deeper. It means you've taken a gut punch. It means you're tainted with the negative. It means that your life is marked by no joy. That, that, that you're convinced that the negative always happens to you. Why does it always have to happen to me? And that there is this negativity about it. It's a little bit deeper than unmet expectations. It's this lifestyle of not looking for anything positive. If you know what I'm saying, say amen. amen. Depression goes a little bit deeper. It, it, depression, plain and simple, is going beneath the hope line. Where you have lost your hope in life. There, you, you, there, there, it may be anger turned Inward, it, it could be as simple as a circumstantial depression means you're depressed about your situation or it can be clinical depression. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into uh, weeds that are a little high for myself, so I'll just put it to you this way. If you are feeling depressed, you need to see someone. If you are in a state of depression and you can't get out of it, you need help. And men and women, I don't know where the people during Malachi's time were, but I'll give you the situation. They were in, in, in exile for 70 years. During the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, the Lord allows them to come back to Jerusalem. During the time of Ezra, as he wrote, they rebuilt the temple. During the time of Nehemiah, they rebuilt the walls. The expectation of the people was that God's kingdom was going to come back in. That God's kingdom would be established. Year after year after year, no kingdom. Year after year, decade after decade. And we get to the point of about 400 B.C., 400 years before Jesus comes, 400 years, the last prophetic word that God gives to his people is Malachi. And the people were either disappointed that God's kingdom wasn't there, either they were discouraged that God's kingdom wasn't there, or they were depressed. And what they did was like what many of us do. If deep down inside we're not feeling it, then we decide to fake it. When there's really no joy, 
there's really no excitement about your relationship with God. You're going through the motions. You're discouraged about your circumstances and the situation in which you live. And God says, I know what you're doing. You haven't voiced it. I know what you're doing. Listen, we need to talk. We need to talk. And the book of Malachi is a series of questions and answers. With a question and answer format, God says, I'm having a discussion with my people. And he allows us to peek in. He allows us to be a fly on the wall so that we might glean from his discussion with his people in this book. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. Amen. Today we're going to look at three questions. And they're not questions that that, that God uh, asked the people. God is quoting questions that the people ask of God. And he's saying, I know what you said. I've heard your heart say it. I know what you're thinking. And so, in Malachi 1, 2, the, the Lord starts off by saying, I have loved you. But the people have said, in what way have you loved us? You ain't loved us, God. We're going through a pandemic. You ain't loved us, God. We're paying over $4 for gas. You haven't loved us. If you'd have loved us, you'd have taken care of the situation in my family. And subtly we begin to think that our circumstances and the love of God coincide. When the love of God never stops. Men and women, God does something masterful here. Pastor Jimmy Evans says that the beginning of a hard conversation, the the beginning of a difficult talk, never rises above the first three minutes. So that if you start in the negative, the rest of the conversation is going to be negative. If you start confrontational, the rest of the, the conversation is going to be confrontational. But if you start positive... Then it sets the tone. And God has already said that in Psalm 100 when he says, Enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with... You don't enter into God's presence complaining. You don't enter into his presence with negativity. You don't enter into his presence uh, saying, woe is me. No, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and you enter into his courts with praise. Let me say this parenthetically. Some of you have to have some hard conversations with people who are in your life, either a loved one, a co-worker, a family member, someone. You start that conversation by talking about how much you love them and how much they mean to you and how important the relationship is. You just don't go in complaining. If you do, the rest of the talk will stay right there. Right there. Some of you are going to watch the basketball game tonight. I guarantee you the first three minutes of each quarter has a tendency of setting the tone for the rest of that period. And the same way works in our conversation. And God starts off the conversation with, I've loved you. I've loved you. And the people say, in what ways have you loved us? And then he goes on to say, in in verse 2, he says this. Listen, uh, uh, he says, 
Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. He says this, if you want to know how I've loved you, Jacob I've loved, that's you. Esau have I hated, that's them. Now get this, what God is saying is this. He's saying that you don't recognize my love because you've forgotten about grace. Esau was the oldest. They were twins. Esau had the birthright. Esau deserved the blessing. Esau deserved the inheritance. Not Jacob. Jacob was a schemer. Jacob was a con man. Jacob was a slickster. Jacob was the the second born. Jacob didn't deserve any of that. But I have loved you. And I've given you a name. And my lineage is going to come through you. Esau deserved it, but he didn't get it. I've extended my grace to you. What do you mean I don't love you? And men and women, when we forget about God's grace, when he forget about God's goodness, when we forget about all these, don't you do that to God. No, don't you play with God like that. He didn't have to bless you. He didn't have to wake you up this morning. He didn't have to provide for you. He didn't have to give you a reasonable portion of health and strength. He didn't have to keep you in your right mind. He didn't have to give you anything you got. Don't you play with God like that. Mm -mm. You say, how have you loved us, God? No, you wouldn't even be here today if he didn't love you. And get this, you didn't even deserve it. I think about all the things I did in my youth. I should be dead. There's sometimes I drive home from parties in high school and I wake up the next morning in my bed. I didn't even know how I got home. I remember driving on the freeway one time and I had to catch myself. I don't know how long I drove with my head down asleep. And God decided to take the wheel. Some of y'all, I'm sorry, y'all too, too, too. That's just my testimony. There are some things I've said, I don't even need to be married right now. I've been so mean and so hateful. There's some things that I've done and my children are little, were little children and, and spanked them and, and, and it wasn't even justified and said things about them. And I rise up and they call me blessed now. That's God's grace. Don't you play with God like that. But that's what they did. He starts off, hey. I loved you. And they say, well, how have you loved us? You can see them shaking their head. How have you loved us? And parenthetically, when you forget about God's grace, there's no thanksgiving. There's no praise. That's why some of us keep our mouths shut. Because we're so spoiled. God has been so good to us that we're spoiled. And we think we're entitled to all of God's goodness. You better stop that spirit of entitlement. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. How have you loved us? But not only that, point number two. Malachi 1.6 says, yet you say, and this is God saying what the people have said, yet you say, in what ways have we despised your name? 
How we despised your name. Well, you have to look at what is said at the beginning of verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am father, where's my honor? If I am master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Look at the text. The text says, if I'm a father, where's my honor? Jesus taught us to pray. Our, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If I'm your father, then where is my honor? Don't you come in God's presence casual? Don't you treat God like he's, as my mama used to say, I ain't your little friend. No, don't you dishonor God like that. And notice what he says. If I'm a master, where is my reverence? Where's my reverence? No, he is our father. And he is our master, and yet the people were not honoring that, and they were not giving him the reverence that he is due. Look down at your Bibles real quick. Six times the Lord refers to his name in this chapter. A couple of times in chapter 6, three times in chapter, I'm sorry, uh, verse 6, three times in verse 11, and one time in verse 14. He says in verse 6, you priest despise my name. Now it's entered into the pulpit. He says, you ministers who are supposed to be ministering to me and ministering to the people, you have defiled my name. You've despised it. You haven't done what you are supposed to do. My name represents my activity. You're supposed to be communicating faith. You're supposed to be communicating obedience. You're supposed to be communicating humility. You're supposed to remind them that they are the people of God. And you are despising my name. There is no commitment that you have to holiness. And over and over and over again in the news, we find one preacher after another falling because of sin. Falling because of unrighteousness. Falling because of wickedness. Falling because they have not been committed to upholding their office as ministers of the Most High God. And men and women, if it starts in the pulpit, it, 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 it flows over into the pew. And the unrighteousness that we have in our nation is not just because of everybody else's fault. It's because of preachers like myself who are not as committed to the office that we hold. And make no mistake, we have have a higher accountability and there is a higher standard and we will be held accountable by God. Because we influence others. I'll never forget, years ago I was talking with a brother. We were in the storefront about preachers who had fallen and he stopped and said, well, you know, Pastor Mike, When you sin, it's bigger than when I sin. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, when I sin, it's just me. But when you sin, it's going to affect everybody in your family, everybody in your church, everybody in the community. It's going to affect them. It may not blow them out the water, but it will affect them. And make no mistake, he was right. And look at this. The priests 
despise my name. Look at verse 11. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. My name shall be great among the nations. So he's saying, you've defiled my name. The Gentiles don't respect me the way they should. The nations don't respect me the way they should. You've given cause for them to defile my name. You've given cause for them to despise my name. You've given cause for them to make fun. And men and women, we're living in a day and age that on our media uh, outlets, television, radio, whatever it is, it is not a big deal to make fun about God anymore. When I was growing up, you didn't play with God. Don't you take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't you do it. There was a respect that we had for God that we don't have anymore. We need to be careful with what we laugh at. Because when we laugh at it, it loses its power. Amen or oh me. Verse 14 says, my name is to be feared among the nations. Folk ought to tremble when my name comes up. Folk ought to revere my name. And yet the people of God, he's not talking about them outside there. He's talking about the people inside the church. You need to fear my name. Point number one, they, they, the people ask, how have you loved us? Point number two, how, how have we despised your name? But point number three is, how have we defiled you? How have we defiled you? Malachi 1.7 says, you offer defiled food on my altar. But you say, in what ways have, I, have we defiled you? Men and women, I want you to look at these verses. Look down at your Bibles or look up at the screen. Uh, verses 7 and 8. You offer defiled, defiled food on my altar, but say in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Look down at verses 12 through 14. You offer, but, but profane it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen... The lame and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male. And what he's talking about is a male animal with no blemish and no spot. A male animal that you should sacrifice and takes a vow. But you decide to sacrifice to the Lord what is blemished. Men and women, God is not pleased. God says, okay, you're my people. I love you, so we need to have a hard conversation. We need to talk. And you say, well, how have I loved you? I loved you because I chose you. I love you because I redeemed you. I love you because I created you. I love you because I gave you a name. I love you because I pulled you out of all the other nations. I love you because I extended my grace on you. I loved you because I delivered you from slavery. 
I love you because I, I led you with a pillar cloud by day and a pillar fire by night. I love you because you got my name tattooed on you. You're my people. But you say, how have I loved you? And then you say, well, how have, I, how have we despised your name? Well, you don't give me the honor that I'm due. Well, you don't give me the reverence that I'm due. You don't do any of that. And now you ask, well, how have we defiled you? Well, let me go down the list. You say the table of the Lord is defiled. Its fruit, its food is contemptible. And then you say, oh, what weariness. You tired of me. How many have relationships and the folk just tired of you? How many relationships do you have? Folk have relationships. You just tired of them. Hey, ain't no love there. You just tired of them. You don't have to say amen because you'll tell on yourself. It says they offer blind sacrifices. They're supposed to offer their best. They offered lame and sick sacrifices. Then they say everything that's on your table is defiled. The fruit, the food, and it's contemptible. They got, they got tired of worship services like the Lord's Supper. Got tired of it. I don't want to come the first Sunday because they keep too long. Lame, sick stuff. And then what makes matters worse, the Lord says, you have acceptable sacrifices at home, but decide to give me what is blemished. You know what it is in a nutshell? The people of God have decided not to give God their best. Now, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm all for the contemporary church. I am. I think we need to do everything that we possibly can do to reach people, to attract people, to disciple people, to bring people in. But I just want you to know and hear it from my voice that I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember church when everybody dressed up. I remember that. I remember they, they said, them your Sunday clothes. And it was your best clothes that you had in your closet. Now, I know that we can come to church casual now. I know. But the significance of coming to church with the best clothes that you have in your closet on was saying to God, I'm going to give you my best. And we've lost that. Now, can you give God your best in your jeans? Certainly you can. I'm just saying there was a spirit. There was an atmosphere. There was a mindset. There was a heart that said, I can't worship God without giving him my best. But we have this mindset that we say anything we give him will do. We give him our worship that's blind. We give him our worship that's lame. We give him our worship that's sick. We give him our worship that's blemished. And then we complain about it. God said, we need to talk. We need to talk. And some people say, well, you know, Pastor Mike, it don't take all that. I'm here to tell you it does take all that. Well, there's some people who tell you, well, Pastor Mike, you're just being a little extra. Well, I might be being a little extra because he's worthy. I might be being a little extra because he's worthy of me being a little bit extra. Amen? Or oh me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last but certainly not least, I want to track back. Because I think the entire chapter starts off with verses 1 and 2. Malachi has been given a burden. 
He's been given a prophecy, a word to God's people. And God says, I've loved you. And the people said, well, how have you loved us? Well, I think that we people, God's people in the New Testament, God demonstrates his love toward us in two passages. I believe that we have gotten too familiar with John 3.16. I believe that we've gotten too familiar with the gospel. I believe that we've gotten weary of it. I believe that we've gotten so familiar with it that it's lost its power. When God says, well, how have I loved you? God so loved the world that he gave. Everything that you have, God has given you. Everything that you think you own, God has given you. Everything that you hold on to, God has given you. Everything that you don't want to lose, God has given you. Everything that you think you earned, God has given you. Newsflash, there is nothing you have, material nor immaterial, that God hadn't given to you, even your own life. God has given to you. The very breath that you breathe, God has given it to you. The very blood that runs through your veins, God has given it to you. This body, God has given it to you. This family you were born into, God has given it to you. But he goes on to say that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved you so much that he gave his son. I had a conversation this week with someone about Uvalde. And it talked about all of those children who were died in that terrible massacre. And I talked about this father who was interviewed and he said, I don't want to be consoled. I don't want to, 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 to be comforted. I don't want to get on and give you my thoughts and my, my feelings. I don't want to, I want my baby back. That's what I want. And this love that, that this father had for his child pales in comparison to the love that God the Father had for His Son. Yet, He says, But God so loved the world that He gave His only, only, His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. How are you going to tell God, How have you loved us? He gave His only Son for you. And that, whatever somebody gives, indicates how valuable you are. And God says, I just love you. I love you so much, I'll, I'll, I'll die on a cross so that I might be in good relationship with you. But not only that, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Men and women... He loves us so much that even though we thumb our nose in his face, he said, I love you anyhow. Even though we don't think right, I love you anyhow. Even though we don't feel right, I love you. Even though we don't do right, I love you anyhow. Even though you don't give me the praise and honor that I'm due, I love you anyhow. See, his grace is bigger than we could ever imagine. His grace, you are more loved than you could ever be, you could ever conceive. God loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And men and women, if you feel like you are not where God wants you to be, if some of these attitudes and some of these actions that the people in Malachi's time were exhibiting, if you feel like that is true of you, the Word of God says it's His loving kindness that brings us to repentance. You don't need to focus on what bad you're doing. You focus on how good He is. 
You focus on how loving He is, how kind He is, and how much He has done for you. It's His loving kindness that brings us to repentance. Lift up your hands, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and let the King of glory come in. Because my Bible tells me that there was a lame man that still was able to sit at the king's table. Men and women, you may be lame in your attitude and your actions. You may be lame in the the, the offerings you give to, to, to God. But God says, I still want your feet underneath my table. Because when you put your lame feet underneath my table, I cover them. I've covered your sin. I've covered your unrighteousness. I've covered that bad attitude. I've covered everything that you think creates a separation between me and you. I have destroyed it because I demonstrate my own love toward you. And that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. I have loved you. Yet you ask, how have you? Loved us. Men and women during this uh, tail end of the pandemic, remember God has loved you. During this economic uh, instability, God still loves you. Whatever problem that you face, whatever, whatever uh, disappointment, discouragement, or depression you have, you need to focus on the love of God. God is practicing his own words where he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He's starting the conversation off with, I have loved you. And he says, I hadn't loved you this much. 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 I have loved you this much. This much. I've loved you this much. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you love us. And Father God, we want that love to spur on corresponding worship because you're worthy. Father, we confess that we have not recognized your love like we should. Father God, we confess that we have uh, uh, defiled your name. And we have defiled you. Father, forgive us. Father, we repent. And Father, we thank you that you receive us with open arms. If there is one person under the sound of my voice, either here or online, that says, I need to repent of my sins. I need Jesus Christ into my life. Simply pray, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I now open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. This is my prayer. Lord, I thank you. I place all of my faith and trust in you and what you've done on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. 
For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.